It's time for JT the Brick. The Raiders need a wake-up call right now. If you don't progress and get better, they will cut you or trade you. You don't throw the ball out of bounds when you're down eight. There is no excuse for that. Everybody knows that my philosophy is to play faster. Don't huddle up when you don't need to huddle up. Make the play simpler. Run simpler plays and run them faster. Run them until you're blue in the face and don't leave practice until the janitor says we're closing the lights out. You guys got to go home. We're going to run it. We're going to run it. We're going to run it. Give the ball to Devontae, Jacoby, and Hunter and Michael Mayer. I don't care who the sixth receiver is. JT the Brick. Too many people are getting comfortable. Smarter, faster, more explosive players who are disruptors. Everything that you could read that was negative and wasn't positive in this game, I gave you in the first five minutes of the show, and I do it five days a week on my radio show. There's no sugarcoating here. You're a Raider fan. Act like it. Get behind the team. And now, uh-oh, here's JT the Brick. Man, that's a pretty aggressive open. We might have to retire that soon, man. That's, woo, that even got me going. That's what I asked for this week, some hardcore fans to break down the game here. If you want your entertainment goofball sports radio, you can find it. If you want to talk sports and break down NFL games, come here. I think we got you covered here. We got you covered for the Raiders and the Jets, and the Raiders need to win this game. I can't imagine and I've seen a lot of Raider losses in Vegas and some great wins. The first ever, the game, the COVID game, beating Drew Brees, the Baltimore home opener. Remember that? Beating Lamar Jackson. Beating the Chargers the last game of the year. Those are big wins. I mean, those are great games at Allegiant Stadium. But i also seen some duds and some stinkers and some games that, whoa, they were just bad. We can't have one of those this Sunday. we got to have a great, unbelievable game. Ethan Greenberg from the Jets, their reporter, is going to join us in a few minutes. Johnny Katz at 145, Mike Golick at 130. That's a good hour radio Bobby's got lined up. Let's try to thread the needle. We'll get your phone calls in between at 702-365-9200. Yesterday at the same time as I was sitting here in the studio, the Jets were a one-and-a-half-point favorite over the Raiders. Now it's a pick game. I'll look at the Superbook exclusively. The Superbook, the sharpest lines, period, has the total 36-and-a-half. Pick them to the Raiders, minus 10 on this. A pick them game, you usually get three for being at home. Jets are good. Uh, Jets are good on defense. Their offense has been really tough to watch. How do you see this playing out? I think a lot of Raider fans are going to bet big on the Raiders in this game. It feels like this is not Christmas yet. You got some time to buy your holiday gifts. It's not Thanksgiving yet. You haven't bought your turkey. I know you haven't bought your turkey yet. You could sit back here and take a look at this and say, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I think, I, I think the Raiders are good for 20 bucks or 100 bucks or 200 bucks on this game. That's what I'm sensing from the Raider Nation. I talked to Antonio Pierce today, interviewed him. You'll hear it tomorrow. It'll be on other Raider platforms before I play it here tomorrow. That's part of the program here. Very upbeat, as always. Very excited. We talked about salute to service. I was wearing in the interview my, it's not camo, but it's the military grade that they gave us this week to wear. It's really nice. A little hoodie that I got on today. And he saw me wearing it. And he says, we'll be wearing that too on the game day. So I was wearing it. He came in with the silver and black on. He was excited to talk to me. Very excited to talk. And he was ready to get rolling. The guy's a highly motivated coach. He should be. He should be highly motivated. And he should be ready to go. And I'm ready to go here to talk Jets with... Ethan Greenberg comes highly recommended from my buddy Chris Gargano, who used to be my boss. He's the team reporter for the Jets. 
Ethan, big one on Sunday. Look forward to you coming out here, and it feels like it's a do-or-die game for both teams. How do you see it? Yeah, it feels like it's definitely in that vein because the, the Jets obviously off to a promising start. And then offensively the past two weeks, definitely not what the green and white wanted. And right now it's in that four and four, and you take a look at the rest of the schedule, talking to different Jets fans and seeing their reaction. This is definitely a what they feel is like a must win because if this game doesn't go the way that the Jets fans want it to, then you're looking at at Buffalo, then home against Miami before a couple games back at MetLife Stadium against the Falcons and Texans. So this is a, a big moment in the juxtaposition of the 2023 schedule for the Green and White on Sunday Night Football. On the opening night when Aaron Rodgers went down on the fourth play, if I told you the Jets would be 4-4 four and four coming to Vegas, you'd probably take it, right? Yeah, I think that a lot of Jets fans would mm-hmm. feel that way, especially where they were you know, a couple weeks ago sitting at 4-3. and three, You beat the Eagles. Not a lot of fans expected that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the general consensus among Jets fans is like, yes, if you – Ask that question in a vacuum, like you're sitting at four and four heading to Vegas. Like it, many Jets fans would sign up for that because mm-hmm. you're in the thick of the race. But I think what separates the just overall mood of Jets fans right now is that last year post by was an zero and six stretch, and that taste, that bitterness, that sour taste is still very much alive. And almost, you know, I think that fans are scared of a deja vu the moment here because the Jets have a difficult schedule down the stretch, but also a manageable one, especially with the way this defense is playing right now. It's just if the offense, if it's able to figure out mm-hmm. what's gone wrong on third down in the red zone and put up some points, the Jets should be able to at least be in the position to win almost every game so far that they've been in this season. So for all the losses this year, too, I mean, except maybe week two in Dallas, they lost 30-10, to 10 and it just seemed like the Cowboys were out for blood and they were coming in to get their home opener win. So I think that that's really the mood right now among Jets fans. Ethan Greenberg is our guest, team reporter for the Jets, right there at NewYorkJets.com. We're both in the same position, you with the Jets, my role with the Raiders here, and the media perspective of this is fascinating this week. The Raiders are in the middle of a party, and they're trying to calm the party down. You saw the cigar smoke and the victory. They needed it, a regime change. You could tell that they weren't being cocky about the Jets. They just needed to let off some steam after Josh McDaniels and the GM were let go. Conversely, I watch the media. I'm from Long Island, New York. I'm a New Yorker, and the media that I follow in New York has been hammering the Jets. Robert Sala on the Michael K Show, Quinnen Williams with Troy Aikman. Is that a good thing in a way to, to motivate the Jets to get out of New York, focus on the Raiders? Because, again, the media could be very hard in New York, and there's a lot of Jets storylines that I'm seeing nationally. Yeah, I think that getting away from just the general New York, New Jersey area, it could benefit them. I, I genuinely don't think that the team is really thinking about that, mm-hmm. and I know that they would never admit that to begin with, but by all, like every conversation that I've had with players uh, so far this week, it all just seems to be like, you know, what, what have we done wrong offensively lately and how how can we fix it? And, you know, people are going to say what they want to say. Obviously the NFL is such a, a microscopic week to week league that, you know, it's, especially when you factor in New York and, you know, the Zach Wilson be the number two overall pick a couple of years ago, like, this team is going to get torn to shreds if they don't play well. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's pretty much every game. And then, again, you, you factor in what happened after the bye week last year, going 0-6 after a 7-4 and start. Like, I think that part of that is 
creeping its way into the narratives of what we've seen over the past couple of weeks. Because last year, the Jets were 5-2 and two with Zach Wilson mm-hmm. under center. They pull him. Mike White goes in. He gets hurt. Then at the end of the year, in a meaningless game or in a game where like a lot of things had to happen for the Jets to make the playoffs, they turn to Joe Flacco and they shut down Dwayne Brown for the last game of the year. And it just it's one of those things where it feels like fans just want to get rid of that entire taste mm-hmm. of out of their mouth. And so far over the past couple of weeks, you know, winning thirteen ten over the Giants and what probably should have and could have been a loss mm-hmm. and then 27 to 6 on Monday night football I think some of that is you know being gelled together from last season so I think right now getting away from mm-hmm. New York it could be a good thing you know granted they're going to be under the Sunday night microscope again you know sure. the prime time lens so I, I definitely think it could be a benefit Ethan Greenberg is our guest tell me what it's like now as the team reporter for the Jets to cover Aaron Rodgers, to see him there, to see him on the sideline. Look, I thought Aaron Rodgers would probably disappear for a while, work out on his own, rehab on his own. Has he been the perfect teammate? What's it like with him around the organization as he's rehabbing? Yeah, I would say that as someone who, you know, obviously like when Aaron Rodgers plays in Green Bay, like you hear stories and you hear like what the national media puts out there, Mm -hmm. and you don't really know what you're going to expect from someone who – is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, there are people who, you know, are, I'm sure there are Hall of Famers who are great people, and there are Hall of Famers who are not great people. And by all, every box that needed to be checked as a teammate, as a person, as a person who cares about this organization, this team, his teammates, every box has been checked from the moment that he walked into the building in April. And it's just, it's incredible because you felt it in training camp. And, like, obviously, I was not with the Buccaneers when Tom Brady went from New England to Tampa Bay, but Jordan Whitehead, the Jets' safety, was. And I remember talking to him, and he said, like, there are some similarities just in ways where, like, you're a young team in Tampa Bay, you're a young team in New York. A lot of the young players will work a little harder, they'll try a little harder, they'll study a little more, and go out of their way to learn things from the guy who they believe to take them to the promised land and deep into the playoffs. And I think what's truly incredible outside of the recovery of what Aaron Rodgers has been doing on the field in just a few short months after rupturing his Achilles is that he is so attentive mm-hmm. and that, you know, he's with the team. And I know that he said that a couple of weeks ago against the Eagles, Robert Solomon said like, Hey, like we want you here for this week specifically. And since then he's pretty much just been here. And like, I, you know, it's not like I'm going to get a snack and there's Aaron Rodgers like grinding tape in the cafeteria and meeting with Zach Wilson, we don't, we're not privy to those types mm. of conversations, but it definitely seems like his fingerprints are still on the locker room or in the locker room, and he's making an impact even though he can't take the field. Yeah, that's really good information, really good information. Wow, Ethan Greenberg joins us as we wrap it up. So Sauce Gardner versus Devontae Adams or Sauce versus Jacoby Myers. Some of the matchups as you're reporting for the Jets. What intrigues you about the Raiders, knowing that the Raiders let go of Josh McDaniels, Antonio Pierce, who played for the Giants, uh, very vocal. People know him in the tri-state area. Give me your impression of the Raiders as you break them down. Yeah, well, I think my biggest question is, as it regards to the Raiders, like from a game plan perspective, is is there how much change can there be schematically in just a couple of weeks, and like how many curveballs will be thrown that maybe are like unscouted looks? That's really what I'm looking at because 
from my perspective and from the, the New York perspective, if you were to ask a Jets fan, I think they would feel pretty confident about the way their defense is going to play after holding Justin Herbert to a career low 136 yards. And obviously that offense has mm-hmm. its struggles at time, but it does have a Pro Bowl quarterback. And I would imagine that like if you were to pull Jets fans, they got to be feeling pretty good about the matchup going up against a guy making his third career start, Aiden mm-hmm. O'Connell. And the Jets' strength, their defensive line, and their secondary – I mean, really, there's not a weakness on the Jets' defense. You know, as I'm saying, like, what the strength of the defense is, I feel like it's kind of silly because the Jets have two, according to PFF, and I know PFF isn't everyone's cup of tea, Mm -hmm. but they have two top ten cornerbacks, they have two top five linebackers, they have the first, third, and fifth defensive linemen or edge rushers in terms of pressure rate since week five. Like, they, they really come on strong, and it feels like this is a favorable matchup for the Jets' defense. I think... Most Jets fans right now think about Max Crosby as the issue, as the potential game wrecker in this matchup here, because obviously he is a phenomenal player, and the Jets just let up eight sacks. The Raiders just had eight sacks last week. Max Crosby has nine and a half, and right now the way that the Jets' offensive line is shaping up, the strength of it and the the most reliable players on it in terms of who's played the most where comes on the left side, which is not the side where Max Crosby lines up. That's been a, a kind of a revolving door. At first, it was Mekhi Becton, who's now playing left tackle. Now at right tackle, then it was Max Mitchell. Then it was Billy Turner, who hurt his hand. He did not mm-hmm. practice on Wednesday. We'll see, what the, we'll see what the injury report is today. But Robert Solid did say his hand injury, Turner's, is concerning. So could it be, again, Max Mitchell, a second-year player against Max Crosby? Like, the Jets have to have a plan for Crosby in order to have a chance to win this game because Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack pretty much wrecked the Jets' offensive line last week. Not like terribly, but Zach Wilson did have at least two fumbles, and that is definitely where, from a Jets perspective, you're looking at as a potential game wrecker in this matchup. Fantastic. You came highly recommended. You knocked it out of the park. That's about as good of a preview as I heard from another team, and I've been doing this 25 years with the Raiders. So, Ethan, I'll see you in the press box. Look me up. I'll be doing the pregame show with the torch and hope to see you and safe travels out here. Absolutely, JT. Appreciate it, as always. You got it. There he is, Ethan Greenberg. How good was he? I mean, I love young guys coming into the business. I'm assuming he's a real young guy. Because my buddy told me, get this guy on. He was fantastic. That's a breakdown. That's an NFL breakdown, right? When we have Levi Edwards or Eddie Pascal from inside the building and they tell you about the Raiders, that was really professional. And he works for the Jets. And look, the media side of this is really important to me because in radio, we get to hype stuff. And now I'm interviewing the new coach and he's an X's and O's guy, but he's much more of a hype guy. He wants you involved. You can tell. He wants you heavily involved with this. And I think Robert Sala is very similar to that with the Jets. I mean, who, who has had a more who's had more bad luck than Robert Sala with the Jets? He takes the Jets job. They get Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers blows out his Achilles. Aaron Rodgers, they're 4-4 four and four now with Aaron Rodgers. They're 6-2. Six 6-2 and two. Six and two coming in here, a much bigger favorite, thinking they're going 7-2, and two, and no doubt a wild card or winning the division. I had the Jets as a wild card this year. I had the Chargers as a wild card this year because I think they're both really equal. With Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is gone. Chargers going to Charger. Chargers screw up. Brandon Staley keeps his job because he beat the Jets. Josh McDaniels loses his job because he loses to the Bears.
Yeah, the Bears game was everything. You know, I'm not going to write a book. I don't, I'm not here to do a secret podcast, you know, with faint, weird, weird lights, JT's one-hour podcast on what went wrong. None of that with me. Okay? It's all, it's all up here. And there isn't much up here. So the, what is up here is up here. And again, we're not having this conversation. Any of this stuff that we're doing now, none of it happens if we beat the Bears. So I think a lot of Raider fans are happy there was a coaching change. I'm aware of that. Believe me, I'm aware of that. And because of the loss to the Bears, who are similar to the Jets, I haven't gone down the road that, man, this game reminds me of the Bears. Ooh, this game reminds me of the Bears. Zach Wilson, Tyson Bajan. No, it doesn't remind me of the Bears because the Raiders were flat in Chicago. I blame that on the coach. Well, at least the coach and the players. They didn't have any juice to them in that game. They played poorly. The game plan was terrible in that game in regards to the offense because Brian Hoyer was the choice. Another mistake I made. I owned it. I own everything. Brian Hoyer, I thought, should have started that game. I thought that was a must-win game for the Raiders. They had a better chance with Hoyer. It was not true. The better chance was with Aiden O'Connell. Seems like the team believes that. The captains believe that. And that's why Jimmy Garoppolo, one of the reasons why Jimmy Garoppolo is not starting. So that's where we're at. We got Mike Gola coming up at the bottom of the hour. Johnny Katz is brought to you by the Black Hole. They have the Silver and Black Friday Mystery Box. So if you're a member of the Black Hole, go to theblackhole.com, and they're embarking on a new era of uncertainty. The Raiders find themselves in a position of mystery. What path will they take? Wow, this is good. With the appointment of the interim head coach, Antonio Pierce, the Silver and Black stand at the crossroads, eagerly awaiting the unfolding of their destiny. Wow, look at this. So basically, after reading all this, they get a bunch of deals. You click on the links, you get black hole, and you get a black hole mystery box. Uncover mystery items, including an official black hole hat, a black hole t-shirt representing the spirit that lives within every Raiders fan. The black hole, the black hole. .com. All right, so we got Mike Gola coming up here on the other side. If you want to get in, I got about 10 minutes to hear from some callers, 702-365-9200. Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers, one love. Proud partner of UNLV football that's going to a bowl game. They feel like they can beat every team in conference. What a year for Coach Odom and the UNLV football team. The Rebels are winning football games also at Allegiant Stadium. Good to see that as their proud partners here with Lotus Broadcasting. Raisin Canes, one love. Yeah, you get nervous, you know. You always wonder if he's going to get burnt out, but he's not. I mean, I tried to... And I'm going to continue to keep trying to match his energy. But on a game, on that field, on that grass, I mean, you saw the effort, the way he plays. It's reckless. He gives up his body for his team. Um, it's contagious. And what we do and what we've done, and Patrick Graham and that defensive staff have done an outstanding job of telling everybody they need to match it. All 11 need to match Max Crosby. Our staff, our building needs to match his purpose, his why, his energy, his effort. And if we do that, you know, we'll have him winning performances. Yeah, it's Coach Pierce on Mad Max. Not to take any credit, I don't take any, but I've been saying that on the radio for years. Just follow Max. Just stand behind him in the tunnel and follow him and just copy what he does on game day. Everybody should be able to do that. Not everybody has the skill set of Max Crosby or the talent as is, 
Max didn't have that talent when he came into the league. He had the raw talent. He honed his craft. He went to defensive end camps with Von Miller. The guy got sober. He built his body up. He did everything right. It's an unbelievable story. It's fantastic. Harry Ruiz, our partner here, got a great piece of locker room content. I was scrolling the uh, Twitter last night, and I saw this from Harry, and I said, great job, Harry, and I told Bobby, let's play it today. No doubt, no doubt. Um, that's what it's all about. You know, Raider Nation, the Raider, you know, of old, you know, the Raider way of old school, you know, with Ted Hendricks and all those guys, the George Atkinsons, like, they're known for being <laughs> different, like the outlaws of the league, and, like, that's what I, when I first got drafted here, like, that's what I bought into. I'm like, that's me. You know what I mean? That's why I felt like, I always say I felt like I was meant to be a Raider, like, because I'm not, I don't fit in, you know what I mean, in normal situations, you know what I mean? It's just like, I'm 100% myself, and then, you know, whoever loves me, loves me, and who doesn't, I don't give a damn. So it's like, that's the Raider way, and, um, you know, I love it, and I feel like you felt that energy. Just It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks is, you know, people are like, oh, you beat one team, whatever, why are you doing that? It's like, no, nah, like, enjoy the shit and have fun with it, and that's what AP's preaching, that's what I'm preaching, it's like, Every single day you get to come in here and play professional football and go out there on the field and go get a win in, a, in the NFL, like, go have fun with it. It doesn't mean, all right, we just have one crazy week and then don't bring energy the next week. It's like, no, we got to match that and take it to even another level. So that's what we plan on doing. I love the soundbite by Max and, you know, comparing George Atkinson and Ted Hendricks and how they were different. You know, over my career, I've had a chance to be around these gentlemen, of the older players now. And to know their history, it's very easy to know their history. You can go to Wikipedia. The Raiders have a great history department in the building. And you know all about the Raider history. It's real. But for a young guy to connect with that and understand that, a lot of these guys in their early 20s never heard of the Raiders of the 60s or the 70s. That's why we spent the whole summer building the greatest Raider team of all time, just for fun, on the radio to bring up those names. Max is a student of the greatness of the Raiders. So was Charles Woodson. You know, getting to know Charles. And let's say this about Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. You see what Charles is doing now? I saw him on with Pat McAfee. He comes on with us. He's at the games. He's doing all his great work on Fox. Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. He's proud to talk about the greatness of his legend, his legacy. Woodson Bourbon Whiskey, proud partner of our show. I always ask where it is. I go to a casino. I go to a bar on the floor. Hey, can I get a Woodson Bourbon Whiskey if they don't have it? We jot it down and we tell his people. And then we try to work on it behind the scenes. Like at La Casa Cigars, where they're getting it now. And we're excited about that. So getting back to Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson was a legend. He understood what the Oakland and L.A. Raiders were. Right? So Charles would get the crowd going with the Raiders chant. He'd run towards the black hole. He understood who was on the sidelines. I saw Charles Woodson on the sidelines talking to the alumni all the time. All the time because... He knew he would be one of the great alumni in the history of the organization. Max is fitting into that the way Charles saw it when he was a young player, and I could see him developing that. Lincoln Kennedy also, a Lincoln who we're proud to have on the broadcast, right? Lincoln's fantastic. Lincoln, proud history of the Raiders and the alumni. So we really think that Max is doing an unbelievable job. He's a big story, massive story back east. What do you think they're talking about on all those New York TV shows and the late news at night? How to stop Max Crosby because the Jets, the Jets offensive line is not very good. I would say the Jets offensive line is worse than the Giants offensive line. And Max had a field day in that game. He really played well in that game. 
So you would expect Max to play at another high-level game. And what it's going to take to play at a high level is that Max has got to stay on the field. they got to get off the field on some third downs to keep Max fresh. Can't let the Jets run the ball down the throat of the Raiders and go on a 9-12 play drive because it's just going to take a little bit out of Max. Max has got the motor to keep fighting through it. But this is a big deal coming up here, man. Big deal. Unique opportunity for Max to have one of those games that is a building block towards being the defensive player of the year if he can pull it off. And it's going to take a lot for him to pull it off in this game. Max has got to have a great game. Robert Spillane, Marcus Peters, someone on that defense, and they've been strong the last couple of weeks. Again, I go back to that Chicago game. The Chicago game was the beginning of the end for the coaching staff, the former coaches, but something changed after that. Right after that, it seemed like the defense started tackling better. I think the defense started talking more. They were more accountable, and they fixed it. And I love that about this team. I did not expect this defense. I knew they'd be improved under Patrick Graham and Antonio Pierce as the linebacker coach. I thought they'd get better this year because statistically they haven't been good for the last couple of years. But now that defense can walk into any game and make plays. They might not win every game, but they could make plays. And I think that's going to be important in the two weeks following this. The two weeks following this are going to be very important games because you're going to have Tua throwing the ball slants everywhere, Tyreek Hill, and then you're going to have Kansas City after this. So for the Raiders after this to go and play Miami in Miami as F1 is out there and then get Kansas City at home, you better believe this is a must-win game against the Jets the way the Jets looked on Monday Night Football. Mike Golick, friend of the show, will be a part of the radio broadcast, also a member of Gridiron Greats the former great player and great broadcaster, kind enough to join us. How you been, Mike? Appreciate you doing this. Hey, Key, how you doing, man? It's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. It's been uh, interesting out here the last couple of weeks, as I know you'll yeah. be talking about that. First off, just your general opinion nationally of Josh McDaniels being relieved, along with Dave Ziegler and Mick Lombardi, and now the new regime under Antonio Pierce. You know, you always wonder what's the good of a coach, and in this case an administration, being let go during the season. Is it going to change anything? One thing I know on a positive side is the team can start actively looking for a new head coach. Uh, So, you know, they're, they're not hindered by that, even with an interim head coach in there. And then the other side of that is, well, if it's, re- if it's affecting the locker room. And it, it seems... It seems to really have done that. I, I look at another locker room a couple of years ago where there was just seemed to be a lot of vitriol with the head coach coming in and uh, butting heads with the players, and that was Matt Patricia in Detroit. And, you know, if you want to sit there and say you think there's a theme, uh, you know, with uh, Belichick assistants who have not succeeded anywhere, save Bill O'Brien, see South titles, division titles with Houston, mm-hmm. it's been a rough go. Uh, and the way that Belichick coaches and the way these guys then coach can sometimes run rub players the wrong way. And a lot of times I'm like, listen, it's pro sports, man. You, the guy's got some rings. He brings some legitimacy from where he came from. But you're starting to see a pattern of, of Belichick disciples going on being head coaches and not succeeding. And it really kind of getting bad in a locker room. So I could see kind of a change up to, hey, let's kind of lighten the load here. It's it's not good in the building. It's not good on the field at all. So 
So let, let's see what a little switch-up will do. Mike Golick is our guest, and they got that. Mike, and you know the interim head coach bounce. We saw it last year with Jeff Saturday at yep. the same stadium, yep. and I talked to Antonio Pierce today at length, and he's excited to keep the energy level up. So the Raiders got the win. We know the Giants roster, and they're struggling. Now the Jets come in on Sunday, and, man, they were awful offensively on Monday night. Troy Aikman really really was aggressive with his opinion and Joe during the game. And how do you think the Jets are going to react to all this? Quinn and Williams and Zach Wilson and especially Robert Sala, who for whatever reason is standing by this kid, Mike. He's standing by him and he's not putting in a backup here. What's the mindset of the Jets as they come west? Yeah, uh, Robert Sala's interview on, on Michael Kay in New York was somewhat interesting mm-hmm. when I asked the question about um, Zach Wilson, normally uh, as a head coach, when they do an interview or give a press conference, as you well know, that they're they're going to set their agenda for the answers that they want to give. And it was a little surprising his answer on Zach Wilson. Um, listen, the one thing I don't worry about for the Jets is their defense. That the the Raider offense is is going to have a tough time against that Jet defense. But uh, uh, Max, Max Crosby, I mean, get ready to get hit by a lot of people because he's an absolutely absolute home wrecker of an offense in the backfield, and the Jets know that. So they are going to have to protect themselves from Max, who, who has just been having an incredible year. So that's what I look at. Listen, the Jets have been involved in a couple of clunkers. Jets and Giants was mm-hmm. horrific. They played bad on, on Monday night as well. So I don't have a, 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 lot of, a lot of things to say about the offense outside. I love Brees Hall. I love Garrett Wilson. When you have so many different offensive line combinations, it's very difficult, especially – if a defense is, is running defensive line stunts at you in the passing situation, uh, it can make it difficult. So they've got some issues on the offense, but their defense will, will normally keep them in, in all their games. Mike Golick joins us. Aiden O'Connell gets the opportunity. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, Mike, with the access I have with the team, I never thought that Jimmy Garoppolo would play this poorly. I didn't. You know, he missed a lot of the offseason due to a procedure he had, and I think that was the difference. And he came in, they won the first game on the road at Denver. He slid in bounds to win the game, made really sharp decisions. And it seemed like he never adapted to Josh McDaniel's playbook. It was more complicated. It was supposed to be fit like a glove. It didn't. And now that he's healthy, he's benched for Aiden O'Connell. They're going to need Jimmy at some point again. Kids get banged up all the time. But what have you seen with Aiden O'Connell on tape? He got sacked a lot against the Chargers, but he didn't throw a touchdown, had a very clean game, didn't make mistakes against the Giants. So, you know, first on Jimmy G, I'm with you. I'm, I'm stunned. It, it hasn't worked the way it has, considering he and Josh were together in New England as well. So I was very surprised uh, at that. Listen, Aiden O'Connell is going to make mistakes. I mean, you know, we, we see, obviously, C.J. Stroud is playing well. Bryce Young is making mistakes. Levis came in, throwing for a, a bunch, but he'll come down to earth. And, and that's what's going to happen with Aiden O'Connell. Early in the season, because I've covered the Raiders a couple of times, mm-hmm. they weren't giving up sacks. You know, that, that's changed a little bit. Now you have a young quarterback, and what's one of the big bugaboos of a young quarterback is they hold the ball too long. You know, the, the quick decisions it takes time for. So that's going to be the issue with him and the game plan is it's the old kiss mentality. Keep it simple, mm-hmm. right? You let him get the ball out of your hands. You've got, and I've been somewhat stunned, which I'm sure you have, the lack of Devontae Adams the last couple of weeks and earlier in the year. Is Hunter Renfro on the team? I mean, it's been unbelievable what he did a couple of years ago, and, 
and disappeared now, but I love the weapons of Myers and Devontae Adams and Hunter. Michael Mayer's been getting more involved. So the job now for a young quarterback and that and the, the coordinator, the first-time play caller uh, who took over as the interim co- old coordinator, is get the ball out of his hands, get it to his athletes, and let them make plays. Mike, as we wrap this up in the final few minutes, uh, one of the biggest joys of my professional career is working with Eric Allen, your former teammate. And I want to just spend the rest of our conversation talking about him. He deserves it. He's brilliant as an analyst. He had 54 interceptions, and he's not in the Hall of Fame, and he's so humble, as you know. Take me behind the scenes and our listeners about Eric Allen, the player. Oh, Eric Allen, I mean, first off, was a great teammate. I mean, part of that group we had for a number of years in Philadelphia, before free agency, when there wasn't that movement, we were all together. Just such a great guy. Always a smile on his face. And just not only a great cover corner could stick to you, but as you well know, in those buddy years, if you couldn't hit, you didn't play on his defense. So if our DBs, especially the corners, we knew the safeties, you know, Wes Hopkins and Andre Waters were going to knock you out. But our corners could not only cover, but they were going to strike you as well. And that was the thing about Eric is knew what he was going to do, especially in a, in a buddy defense. You know, he's going to come after you, so that's going to put the corners on an island. So they have to play ball, and Eric always did. You know, the, between Eric Allen, Clyde Simmons, and Seth Joyner, three guys that to me just were incredible ball players and, and get overlooked for, you know, obviously the, you know, the gold jackets. Uh, but those three were three of the, obviously, you know, the Hall of Famer you have in Reggie White and Jerome Brown, God bless his soul, uh, God rest his soul, I think was heading that way. But those three guys were just incredible, incredible players to watch and, and how good they were on the field. Yeah, just a great guy. And as a broadcaster, too, because all your yeah. years at ESPN and your big morning show and the TV work you did. And then when Eric was on the desk, Antonio Pierce also uh, had some time at ESPN, yeah. too. So yeah. you got a chance to see Eric work in there also as a professional around the building. Well, Eric's just, uh, you just said, he's a professional. You know, it's the one thing you have to do. You know, years ago when athletes went into TV, it was usually right into the booth, and it was like you had their gregarious personality, and it was cool. It was great storytelling and the laugh. But now there's a lot more. There's, there's the desk, there's studio, there's radio, there's podcasts. There's a lot more work involved that you have to put in in film and talking to coaches and doing more homework than you had to before. And Eric has always been a guy that was prepared, always. So, you know, he was a guy you never had to worry about does he know what he's going to do? And that was a beautiful thing is you don't worry about the guy next to you, and you never worried about a guy like Eric Allen. He was going to bring it. Mike, finally, we always have an extended conversation at the Super Bowl Radio Row. You're very active with that. And the Super Bowl's in Vegas, and you'll be here for this game on the radio call. Just years ago, when you were in the trenches or at ESPN Radio, and someone said Vegas and said the Super Bowl and Radio Row, and now we got F1, as you know, coming up next week here. This is really the sports and entertainment capital of the world with boxing, UFC, everything we got going on here. You got to see the sphere while you're out here, too, that big globe that's out there. Oh, I've seen it. Like I said, I've called a couple of games (laughs) out there already. Listen, this has been ridiculous that the major sports have uh, taken this long. They all treated the gambling as taboo, and it was ridiculous. And even when the Raiders were going to go to Vegas, there were, there were analysts and people saying, oh, God, watch out. I'm like, watch out for what? I mean, it's another city where guys are going to go be professional athletes. 
Everyone was just expecting debauchery and, oh, my God, what the sky is falling. That's ridiculous. And now look at baseball's coming there. NBA will be there at some point. It is a phenomenal town. The only fear I have is when I'm going to be there for an entire week, the amount of money I'm going to lose at the blackjack table. Well, we'll have a good time at the Ditka Jaws Cigar Party and all the other events. Yes. You know, the, Ra- the Raiders are going to have a big event here, too, Gridiron Greats. And I'll see you in the press box on Sunday night, Mike. It's a big one. Can't wait to hear you on the call. Sounds good, JT. Look forward to it. You got it. Mike Golick, everybody. One of the best. And a uh, cool moment for Mike and I. And for years, I've had Mike on Radio Row, and he had, a, he had the biggest morning show uh, he and Greenberg had the biggest radio show for a long time in the mornings, and the business has changed since. The business has changed completely, and Mike's a pro. And when that ended with Mike Greenberg and ESPN Radio and they had that split, he'd been doing this a long time. And I said this with him on a podcast, and I'll just bring it up again. It's a personal issue. When you look at how long a career could be, I'm at 27. Mike did it longer, I think 30-something. You always get judged by what you did at the end. Well, why did Golick and Greeny break up? Why? Who cares? They were, they were on it for 25 years, Mike and the Mad Dog, 30 years. Well, what happened at the end? Who cares what happened at the end? What about year 5, year 8, year 11, year 14, year 22? It's a wide-encompassing career. And I knew Mike Golick would go on to do great things. And now he's on the Westwood One broadcast uh, doing this as a color analyst, doing a good job. I know he made a lot of money in his career as a broadcaster. He's really healthy, living the dream. He's got kids who are vibrant. Mike Golick is a good dude and a really good broadcaster. You want to talk about the reps that he's had all those years? And those were early morning shows, man, in ESPN. Those were driving in the winter and the snow to get to the studio and to do three or four hours of radio there back in the day where radio in the morning mattered a lot more back then than it does now. Not that morning shows aren't great, we got a great one. Everyone has a good one. But, man, when Mike Golick was swinging the bat back then, it was fantastic. All right, 702-365-9200. We have Johnny Katz who's going to join us in about a minute or two. So we'll do that. We have that coming up here. And then we're going to continue to talk about this game coming up here and what matters most in the game. Big Al in San Francisco. Man, this guy knows X's and O's. Big Al, what do the Raiders need to do to win this game and not get cute with the Jets? They have to lengthen the field. The best play that I saw on Sunday against the Giants was not the Jacobs touchdowns and you know not the, some of the good defensive play. But the fact that they finally found a way to get Tucker and they stretched the field, uh-huh. um, they had not been doing that with Jimmy Garoppolo for reasons maybe Jimmy Garoppolo can't do that anymore. That's you know that's subject for another, another conversation. But the next three games, the Jets, very very good defense as Golik, as Golik alluded to. Miami, very good defense with two solid corners in Howard and in Jalen Ramsey, who's now back. And then the game after, Kansas City. We all know how good their defense yep. is because they, yep. they've essentially carried that team, and McDuffie is, a, is one hell of a player. So are the Raiders going to be – are they going to play like they did the first eight games and constrict the field, or are they going to find a way to get Tucker into this mix and be able to stretch it? Because when he stretches, that stretches the field. You're going to see more balls to, to Adams. You're going to see more to Myers, and you're going to see much more to Michael Mayer. And, of course, that will open up the run game. I think that's the most important thing on the offensive side of the ball for the Raiders. Thanks, Big Al. We're up against it. Very good point. And that's the issue I have with this game. 
is the fact that it tells me to be conservative and run the ball all night long. And I don't like that historically. I like to throw it. I like to throw it. I like to throw it deep. I like to take this, test the safeties. Do you want to test Sauce Gardner? Do you really want to test him? I do with Devontae Adams. I have confidence that Devontae's better than Sauce. Sauce is a babe in the woods. He's a new, new kid. Devontae's one of the greats. You better believe Aiden O'Connell's going to have to throw the football and attack downfield and take some shots. Johnny Katz will join us next. John Katz will meet us from the Review Journal. Big conversation coming up on what's happening Sunday night. All the entertainment and concerts in town. If you're at a market or if you're in Vegas, he'll tell you what's happening on the entertainment menu, which is a big one this weekend. Uh, play hard, uh, physical up front, both sides of the football. They're built well uh, with the offensive line. Big, massive gentlemen. Uh, on the defensive line, obviously, a very skilled, talented, length, mass. I mean, looks good, you know. And then in the back end, you know, they you know, obviously Sauce Garden is a problem. Um, but that's secondary. You know, they play well. They're in sync. Good football program. Good football program. And obviously for us, you know, we're going to have to um, be on our P's and Q's and dialed up and match their energy as well. Antonio Pierce, my exclusive interview with him tomorrow at 1 o'clock Pacific time. Let's get right to Johnny Katz from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Great to see you at the game. The Raider win against the Giants. Did it feel like it was a different energy at Allegiant Stadium for you covering the game? Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, JT, it's great to be on with you again. Yeah, even walking in to Allegiant Stadium, it felt different. It was just like... That was the outcome the the Raiders really set up. The game was set up that way. It, they needed it, you know, the interim coach. Uh, first game, home game, mediocre opponent. They were fired up. They they brought it, yeah. And uh, they they had to have that one to salvage anything out of this season, and they, they delivered it. It was a, it was a, a definitely a high watermark for this season, no question. A high watermark, yes. It was a great, great win for them. They needed it. Also, you got a chance to sit down with Priscilla Presley, after her show, how great was that? I would love to meet her. What an icon! Yeah, it was. Uh, we we've known each other, uh, Priscilla and I, for quite some time. I met her in uh, I think it was 2009 when they were opening Viva Elvis at Aria, the Cirque du Soleil show that Elvis Presley Enterprises was a partner in. And I met her then, and we went. We sat through a rehearsal, and ever since then, we've kind of had you know on again, off again co- uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. She came in in 2015 for the. Uh, display at the Westgate that they had for a while, and uh, now she's doing these um, one-woman show, or a, a mm-hmm. multimedia show at the South Point showroom, and this is the second run that she's had there, and uh, Michael Libinati, the entertainment director, was the on-stage interviewer, and so I've, I've reconnected with her that way, you know, and I saw her backstage after the show, and we just hung out for a while, and uh, yeah, uh, you are talking about a, uh, you know, entertainment royalty, rock and roll royalty. Uh, in in uh, internationally and especially in Las Vegas, and um, it was great to see her. You know, I asked yeah. her how she was doing. She was holding up all right. You know, she's had a lot of uh, tragedy in her life with the death of her uh, daughter Lisa Marie, who I also knew, and she's just uh, you know powering through. And she thinks it's, she told me it's very important for her to tell Elvis's story uh, and her story with Elvis uh, ongoing because there are not many around who can still speak to him. In, you know, mm-hmm. directly, and she's at the top of the list. Absolutely. So it was a very moving uh, experience, and we enjoy, I enjoy her. You know, she's mm-hmm. she's very funny. She's she's present, and you know, she's uh, very uh, 
curious about Las Vegas. You know, I was asking all about the mm-hmm. sphere and the shows I'd seen. And, you know, one thing, JT, on this, I told her that in recent shows that I've seen, Elvis comes up a lot, you know, in the mm-hmm. U2 show. Yeah, he does. Bono's Things Can't Help, you know, you saw that, Can't Help Falling in Love. Billy Idol sang uh, Viva Las Vegas in his uh, stay. Uh, Dita Von Teese uses Dita, uh, uh, Viva Las Vegas in her show at the Horseshoe. And, uh, you know, and uh, Kylie Minogue sings mm-hmm. Can't Help Falling in Love from her show. Wow. And I told her all of that, and she was so- Yeah, sounds like she should be excited about that. Johnny Katz is our guest. You wrote extensively about Virgin Hotels here Las Vegas and the connection to F1. You know my DNA's in that building. I like the leadership there and what's happening next here. Tell us and combine both, the property of Virgin Hotels and what's going on with F1. You know, um, yeah, the the Virgin is right there, just on the east side of the uh, of the uh, start finish line in that main pit area, and so they're right next to the the track, but not in the middle of it, mm-hmm. which is a very good position for them to be in because you can get in and out of the hotel, and but still be you know close enough to the the race to you know be a, kind of a part of it, you know, and uh, they're the drop point for for a ride share. And what um, Cliff Atkinson has done is really just deliver a lot of entertainment property wide to welcome the, the crowd that's going to be there, you know, mm-hmm. that's going to be parking there and, and staying there. And uh, so we have a lot of, uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of acts that are familiar to people in Las Vegas that are be running almost, you know, all day and all night at the Virgin. We're talking, you know, wind ja- or uh, uh, the Zoe Boy Act, for example, the Ladylike show, is, their production mm-hmm. show is going to be there. Fortune's birthday party is going to be late Saturday night. they got some midnight shows going there. The Shag Room's activated. Love that. Uh, with the Moonshiners. And uh, we have some, the, the Spasmatics at midnight on mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday are starting at midnight. So this is old school Las Vegas going on, and it's dictated largely, enforced by this, the schedule of the F1 race. But they're a, they're a zone partner, the, the East Harmon mm-hmm. zone, and it's a good chance for for uh, Cliff to uh, you know kind of restart the property at a at a, a tough and ch- a challenging reopening during you know just coming out of COVID. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that the hotel really ever got its footing under uh, right. under it. And uh, he's bringing back the center bar. Talk, talked about that. Yes. Locals know that place. Mm-hmm. That's going to be next year. He's already looking at renderings of that. And uh, so, yeah, it's, you know, go for it. That's what I say. He's taking on all kinds of uh, mm-hmm. uh, ideas and concepts. He's going to animate the Body English Room. That's going to have a show in it. And uh, continue to uh, run, um, you know, the, the uh, burlesque show inside 24 Oxford and, and great shows inside that uh, Virgin Theater, too, the old oh. joint. So, awesome. Two yeah. minutes to go. Real quick on this one uh, with what's going on at the Sphere. A lot of rumblings reported out of the Review Journal about maybe an extension to U2, introducing the new bands there, how much it cost, what they need to do, how could they could reset and get it going even better. What are you hearing? Well, <laughs> extending U2 would be a great idea because mm-hmm. they can run for a long time. I know this. The people who have been charting the demand for tickets say U2 is, you know, they've got great demand. They, that works. U2 in the sphere is working. Uh, right, but right now I think what we're looking at with the sir, they, I would love the sir to announce something else, you know, like mm-hmm. a real residency. I mean, I'm hearing names being thrown around all the time. Harry Styles was supposed to be in there mm-hmm. last week, in there reviewing the place. I've heard uh, Dead and Company now, Fish wow. has been out there, um, but but somebody needs to hit. They need to come with something else to sell and to and to really change the trajectory from where they are right now. 
Um, and Postcard is cool, a very good show, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, you know, their earnings report indicated that something Dolan said that they might have to jack up the prices to that a little bit to help uh, offset some of the losses they've had. And, um, you know, I, I just want, I just want to see a real concrete announcement, uh, you know, dates on sale when, you know, something's coming in mm-hmm. to, to really get people excited about the next phase of the sphere. Cause we're, we're kind of, mm-hmm. it's been running as it is for, you know, since September and we're ready for something new. I think coming out of that form would be a great time to announce anything. I agree. Like new Year's Eve show, New Year's Eve. Would yep. be great, you know? I'm out, buddy. Good to talk to you. Thank you for all the information. You're the best. You too, JT. See you soon. Johnny Katz, want to get the the entertainment in and what's happening here. Over the next two weeks, Raiders Sunday night football on F1. Just let that sink in. Q's got a big show as always coming up next. Thanks to that great guest list, Bobby. Way to knock it out of the park. We'll see you back here tomorrow, everybody.